Hello and welcome back to Witch Fix. Today I'm going to be looking at the second and third novel in the Witch Hunt series of three books. Um, so the first one that we read was The Thirteenth Sacrifice by Debbie Vigui. I'm never going to learn how to say that last name, sorry. Um, but the second book is The Last Grave and the third book is called Circle of Blood. And I'm currently halfway through the last book and I thought I'd roll them together because, to be honest, I didn't really have a huge amount to talk about that was different between the two of them so far but let's just crack into it so the last grave i feel like after the first book they got the author onto some sort of ritalin because a really sensible number of one murder occurs in the first like 50 pages whereas in the previous book we were drowning in bodies by page 30. Uh, also a number of crucial plot elements have been established like obviously in book one like Samantha's origin story, the existence of witches, the death of her coven, and her conversion to Christianity with her foster parents. Uh, so we aren't like bombarded with all that information right out the gate. It reads like it was edited, uh, and that it had been actually like plotted and written in a way that wasn't just like a, a first rough getting down of all the things the author wanted to say. Uh, so at the end of book one, uh, Samantha moved from Boston to San Francisco because uh, in book one she was involved in this really messy case in Salem with a lot of deaths and her partner, Ed, found out, uh, her police partner, not her like romantic partner, found out that she was a witch and he didn't want to work with her anymore and there was so much like a uh, kickoff at the, the force that she was basically asked to transfer and leave because no one really wanted to work with her and it was all just a bit weird. Anywho, so she's moved to San Francisco. She now has a new partner called Lance, but he kind of reads exactly like the previous guy because neither one of them was characterised really well. Uh, the main difference is that this guy doesn't seem to have a wife uh, and is therefore, like, maybe being set up as a love interest character. It's not really clear at the beginning. Uh, Sam's previous love interest, Anthony, is still sort of in the picture, but only by telephone because he occasionally phones and then every time he phones, something dramatic happens and she has to hang up on him. So his basic function in the book is just to be the guy who gets hung up on when something blows up. In terms of new characters, Samantha also now has a roommate. Uh, this is an old college friend called Jill, uh, who's doing some sort of doctorate slash master's degree. You will understand my confusion in a minute, uh, which involves anthropology and Native American history in the area. And this turns out to be hugely relevant, surprisingly, because the murder um, in this case, it takes place at a local museum and involves a Native American anthropologist being killed and her office being then ransacked. So the first plot twist comes in the form of the victim's daughter being a witch and she doesn't seem to have much knowledge of her powers and she's not affiliated with like any coven or anything. She just has power um considering that every single witch samantha has ever known or met has been evil beyond redemption i thought she should have had maybe a bigger reaction to this information than just being like oh well her mum just died i'll talk to her about the witch thing later um in fact considering that a witch appears literal seconds after sam's partner nearly shoots her in the head while he thinks she's someone else because he's under a spell i would be looking at that witch girl like well you seem to be the only witch around here so what the fuck are you playing at? Would have made sense to me, but this book seems to have kind of a because I say so attitude towards plot where characters only do or think things when the author needs them to and not because, you know, it would make sense for a human being to do that. There's like a weird moment right up towards the beginning of the book where um, after Sam comes back from the murder scene, she returns to her flat and her roommate Jill is now blonde instead of a brunette. 
and her she mentions this to her partner Lance and he says that he remembers her being blonde so it's sort of like something's changed but Samantha's the only one who notices that it's changed which seems odd but it got mentioned like three times in the space of two pages so I was like well clearly this is important and then later on more stuff like that starts happening uh, sort of like um I'm trying to think of an example um so Samantha gets like a reasonably priced rental car yet when she goes back outside to get into her new car it's a fancy car that she had originally turned down and Jill changes from doing her master's to doing a doctorate um, like little details like that and it instantly put me in mind of like alternate realities like maybe she was slipping between them because I think I'd been recently listening to the rabbits podcast which is also about like alternate realities and people who move between them and may not instantly notice that something is amiss when they're actually just in a different reality. So I've kind of ragged on the books a little bit for being a bit hysterical in terms of plotting and not feeling like they've been edited and a lot of just kind of sloppy weird writing but one thing these books do really well is make me suspicious of literally everyone in the book. So I was an eighth of the way into the second one, um, The Last Grave, and I already literally suspected the partner, the daughter of the dead lady, the roommate, and I still had lingering suspicions about recurring characters from book one, like the police captain and her love interest guy. I am not sure if this is intentional, because in the first book I was deeply suspicious of literally everyone except the character who was actually the evil mastermind, which points towards it being like intentional plotting, or if just because this time around I've decided to be suspicious of everybody because then I cannot be wrong. I don't know but it is quite exhausting to read something where you expect any character at any moment to just like mission impossible their face off and be like old man smithers underneath um which is what happened in the first book that there was like someone who was using like a glamour to make themselves look like someone who was already dead uh but maybe this is like analogous to samantha's constant state of like hyper vigilant mistrust or i'm giving the book too much credit by assuming that but it is quite effective because you do kind of suspect everyone of being the evil character who is evil. I've been kind of having like a weird time with these books and I think I finally put my finger on what it is about the writing that specifically gets to me and that makes me feel like it's written in a kind of chaotic way because quite a lot of it is written as you would expect a book to be written um, but uh, occasionally it just randomly decides to over explain or um, info dump on you about stuff like you would be perfectly happy as the reader or at least I would to just read the scene as it is but the author has put in things to explain why this isn't happening instead or why something else isn't happening and you're like cool I didn't really need that explanation because I was just kind of happy to go with the character like it made sense to me uh, an example of this is on page 76 um Basically, at the original crime scene, when Samantha gets attacked by a witch, she gets all cut up and mucky. And so the dead lady's daughter gives her a T-shirt to wear home, uh, which is sort of a minor detail that doesn't really come up in terms of its relevance to the plot. Although it is brought up a number of times by Samantha, as in the extract I'm about to read to you. She just shook her head and turned away. She didn't have time to bandy words with him. She needed to get down to Santa Cruz. She was glad she had driven her own car over. She wished she could return Robin's shirt, but it was in the laundry at home. If she stopped to get it, Lance would wonder why she hadn't taken Jill home herself. She wasn't ready to talk to Robin yet. She still wasn't even sure what she was going to say to her. At least she'd have some time in the car to think about it. So, Samantha's asked Lance to take Jill home because she wants to go and talk to Robin, the dead lady's daughter. And... She puts in, like, the writer has put in this whole convoluted thing about how, oh, she can't return the shirt because it's in the laundry at home. 
and if she went back to get it first then you know lance would wonder why she hadn't taken jill home herself this just seems pointless and like a lot of muddled thinking to include in the book like she's going to see robin because it's really important that she goes to see her because obviously her mum was murdered and she might know something about that and also as aforementioned she's just a random witch who samantha doesn't know so we don't really need to add in the bit about the shirt because it's just irrelevant and if you don't include it then a reader like myself is just going to assume well it was last night or like earlier this morning that she lent it to you so obviously you haven't had time to wash it yet and give it back like i'm going to forget about the shirt until it becomes relevant and spoiler alert it never does but things like this get mentioned a lot and she's like oh i, I should do this thing but i'm not going to do it and here's why and here's this other thing whereas other things don't get explained enough and it just feels weird that the author has chosen to like add in this stuff also and i don't have an extract for this but a lot of people just randomly stop using contractions like she'll be like oh well i need you to do this and they're like i cannot do that samantha it would not be possible and you're like this sounds really weird did you read this because a lot of the time you know you're trying to write dialogue how people speak and unless they're being like ridiculously formal they're not going to just like stop using contractions it's just very bizarre another thing that happens is a lot of especially in this book i maybe i noticed it more in this one that i didn't notice in the first one a lot of it is gets bogged down in samantha going places changing her clothes having a shower thinking about where she's going to go next and then something happening and she has to go somewhere different and then she'll think oh no i didn't go to place one when i should have gone to place b and all of this stuff and he's like we don't need it just end one chapter with her being dirty and then start the next chapter with her going well i had a shower i'm clean and now i'm going to this place i don't need the whole business of her going oh i had to get home and then i had to put a glamour on my car so no one would notice that i'd like been nearly run off the road by evildoers and then i had to go into my apartment and i felt tired and i tried to heal myself with magic and just stick to the like actual plot the story part of the story please it's just so not necessary it just complicates things so much all that aside the plot is very kind of non-existent through the mid portion of the novel like i know what happened at the beginning because there was a murder and they was trying to investigate that and then at the end you know they went into the mountains and the caves and all that showdown shit happened in the middle it's just a whole load of samantha running places and getting attacked and then running other places and having a wash so that kind of dragged on a little bit spoiler alerts now follow for the actual plot basically a uh, coven of witches is trying to use time quakes which are also earthquakes because it's san francisco to return a cave system underneath the mountain to the way it was many many years ago when a demon was supposedly sealed into one of the deep caverns because someone has to be able to get down there to read the spell that will unleash it and it's also clear at the end of the book that the evil high priestess of this coven is being kind of remotely puppeted by some unknown witch the same unknown witch perhaps who was behind the coven in the first book who was like um not seen with the rest of the coven but who was spoken about by some of them about this person who potentially had made off with the demon summoning book from before we don't know so that all happens it's kind of a non-event really because samantha goes down to the cave system with the high priestess and even though she does apparently read the spell which is meant to unleash this demon samantha just causes a cave-in with magic which traps it again so i guess it wasn't trapped with magic it was just trapped with rubble so that made very little sense 
the whole last grave thing is actually kind of a postscript to the main plot um samantha returns to salem and then some weird timey-wimey stuff has happened with all the time quakes that makes everyone think that basically book one didn't really happen no one has a real firm recollection of it she's no longer like left the force in boston she's still a member there they just thought she went on leave for like a year so introducing time travel or at the very least like redundant timelines to a pot that's already this muddled and weird and has this many secrets in it was just too much for my brain couldn't quite follow what was going on but she returns to salem to hunt the last grave which is something that a bunch of people have been writing places throughout the plot in this book it is kind of wildly obvious from the outset that hers is the last grave because she's the last surviving member of her coven meaning that her grave would be the last one she goes to the cemetery in Salem where she actually went in the first book but in the first book she didn't really realise that there was a grave for her there but now she does for some reason. She digs it up with magic in the process you do find out her real name because it's on the headstone and inside the grave is a picture of the cross necklace that was stolen from her in book one with a message left behind by a person or persons unknown and this causes samantha to go into her mind to this like corridor of doors behind which her past selves have been sitting and she's been opening doors in the past two books to like remember things about her past she opens the door marked 12 which is the door all the other hers told her not to open and then she changes i guess it's it's in like the last like three lines so it's not really clear what's happening until you get into the next book but she starts referring to herself as Desdemona which is her birth name uh, and when she summons her little magic kitten it's actually now a panther with red glowing eyes so it's implied I guess that the evil her or whoever she was as a witch before she took on Christianity and changed her name is who is in control of her body now Another thread that was introduced in the second book, it was sort of introduced in the first book, but in a kind of blink and you'll miss it way. Apparently there was uh, an FBI agent in the first book who had infiltrated the coven because there's like a secret witch branch of the FBI who investigate witches. And in the second book, Samantha does have more contact with someone from that branch um, who comes to basically offer her some aid because she's infiltrated the evil coven who are doing the time quakes and then getting into the third book that group becomes much more important in the plot it's introduced a lot more i was not a particular fan of this it felt like a really weird element to include and it raised a lot of questions about whether there was actually therefore a corresponding witch police force and why samantha had not known about it and given the fact that she had worked pretty extensively in law enforcement, um, that she hadn't been aware of this, even though she was a witch and apparently people who get close to you can sense that you have power. So someone must have known that she was a witch and that this witch branch existed, but she just never previously interacted with it before. I don't know. I don't really get it. But there we go. Moving in fully now to Circle of Blood, the third book. I've just finished um it was kind of and I don't want to be hugely mean but a massive fucking disappointment um I feel like you know when you start building like a pile of something and it's a little bit wonky at the bottom but you're like ah, it's mostly straight but then the higher up it gets like the more obvious it is that it's wonky and it's never gonna hold up that's how I feel this book series has gone because 
The first book had its flaws, but was kind of enjoyable in a weird kind of schlocky, horror-y kind of way. But then obviously the second book built on that introduced new concepts that, again, didn't really work as the original book introduced concepts that didn't really work. And by the third book, you've got more stuff being heaped on top of that. And it all just starts to crumble under itself and not make any sense and not be enjoyable to read. So to start with, the book starts off with Samantha not being the main character in a manner of speaking, because the main character is now Desdemona, which is like her evil self. And Desdemona reminds me of, do you remember or have you ever read the three books that came out? They were like Buffy the Vampire Slayer novels that went alongside the series, but they were like the Wicked Willow trilogy. And it was all about Dark Willow and it gave her like, like more of an extended plan and extended stuff that she was trying to do. And sort of built off that and it was terribly written and she was evil so of course she had to make herself a giant cat to keep as a pet and she had like Oz the werewolf just chained up as like another pet because she was evil and she drank red wine because she was evil that's exactly what Desdemona reads like in the first part of the book after like 80 pages Samantha kind of gets control of herself um, and basically realizes that there is only one her. She doesn't have these different sides to herself. It was always just her, which I feel like is a revelation that isn't really a revelation, but okay. She basically becomes Samantha again, and then they try and find out who is responsible for a bunch of magic users being drawn to New Orleans, which is where she is at the moment. Uh, and it quickly becomes apparent, well, very quickly, if you've read the back of the blurb, like because the blurb says that Lilith Black is the reason that they're there, but it takes like a hundred pages for them to be like, hey, there's a lady called Lilith Black and she's bringing all these people here. And it's like, I know, buddy, it's in the blurb. So whoever wrote that should be fired. And then it kind of gets into the fact that Lilith is actually a surviving member of Samantha's coven. Uh, the one right at the beginning who died during the demon attack. And she apparently has a great big evil plan, except she really sort of doesn't. It feels like very little of this was thought out ahead people seem to just decide in the moment what it is they want to say again it feels very kind of first draft author just figuring things out version without a huge amount of thought going into it going back over it and going actually how do all these plot ends tie up is this just a really long rambly conversation that's going to last two chapters and lend absolutely nothing to the story most probably maybe i should cut that out so I didn't really enjoy the last book in the series and to be honest I kind of gave up on it most of the way through. I was about halfway through and I was just like nothing's really happening. No plot line is really being developed here. It's all just moment to moment, scene to scene. Oh now we have to go to this place. Now we have to go to that place. Now we have to go back here. Oh whoops who's this? Maybe we should mention this character because they haven't been talked about for a while. It's a mess. It's just a fucking clusterfuck of elements of a story that someone has thrown down on the floor and said okay yeah that's a book as opposed to taking them and going here is how we do a plot because Samantha character who which I feel was kind of pretty good in the first book like it was kind of set down in a way that was very clear as, as to what her motivations were it's just thrown up in the air and you don't even know really who she is or what she's doing anymore or why you should care to be honest 
a particularly low point and something that made me nearly just pull my hair out in frustration is page 233 which is really close to the end the end of the book is 324 so about 100 pages before the end um when samantha decides she's thinking about lilith lilith must have some other plan she must be doing something and then she goes wait a minute the coven that she controlled in book one back in salem they were trying to summon a demon and the coven she controlled in book two they were also trying to summon a demon her plan must be something to do with demons this is page 233 people the thing the, there's a lot of mystery surrounding samantha's past and like her past as a child and with the coven and what happened then and i can get that that's a mystery but in this she has apparently forgotten things that happened to her post amnesia in the last two books that she was in that both of them had something to do with demons it's not rocket science pretty much the only thing we knew going into this book also a new character is introduced called martin he is possessed by a demon and he shows up basically to just tell her things or other things that she probably would have had to find out herself in a different way but i guess it's plot convenient for him to be there uh yeah he gets killed in like one line like in like the last scenes of the book even though he's been set up to be kind of a major character who's under a curse and there's all this other stuff and he's mentioned in quite a few scenes and he shows up a lot but yeah no just killed off in the the mishmashy ending even lilith doesn't really get a lot of screen time she gets murdered in about one line because fuck it we had to have a couple of chapters for just samantha to go back to the police and then throw her a party with a cake and then this guy she's known and spent all of 10 minutes with to propose to her so they can get married because we really needed to read that because that's interesting i'm very salty about this book because to be honest i felt from book one we had a lot of places that this could go and it could have shaped up to be quite a good series and going into like book two at the beginning it felt like there was a bit more plotting going on a little more thought going into events that were happening and the plots were getting a bit clearer but then at the end of that book it just went batshit crazy and the crazy continued into this book making it nigh on unreadable and i think it, it's just a hallmark of how weird and nonsensical this book series is that at the end of the third book the final book in the series there is uh, an extract of the first book that says don't miss the first novel in the witch hunt series it's like why would i be reading the third novel if i hadn't read the first and second novels why would I have just picked this up and then read it and not very quickly twigged that there was a lot of stuff in here that had been previously established in another book? It just makes very little sense to me. So although I do sort of stand by a recommendation of the first book because it is sort of mildly self-contained if you don't really care about the great overarching mystery of it all, which is not that rewarding to get to the bottom of, let me tell you. Um, I don't recommend reading the rest of the series. Just give the first book a read. And if you can stomach it getting worse than that, you know, power on through. But Circle of Blood definitely was the worst one of the three. And I will not be rereading these. It's it's literally going in the car boot box now. Like, you can hear it. Listen. That was it, folks. It's, it's in the box. We're saying goodbye. I hope you've enjoyed this review. And do let me know if you have any other books that you'd like me to read because i'm looking for some good ones i feel like i've been onto a run of stinkers lately i need to amp it back up with something i can get excited about so let me know in the usual ways you can check the description box for links and other good stuff and i'll see you in the next episode bye